Uh, y'all. Yeah, I and a duels. Um, I think karma came back to me when I <laughs> sorry shat on it, and this is the only thing in the house is duels. Oh no! <laughs> you know what? In these times of our privation, we do what we can. So enjoy that duels, sir. Just get a sorry. Of yeah. <laughs> Listen, is it is it cold? It is. Then that then it serves its purpose. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, that's you know. It's, there are beers that you drink because they're delicious. And then there are beers that you drink because they're cold and they're beer. And it gives us a... Yes, and it gives uh, us yes. the sound, which is very <laughs> Welcome important. to Podlander, Drink, Cast, and Outlander Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. That's Janine. Why? And that's... And I'm Amelia. Amelia. Hi. Um, we are talking about the Outlander finale. Uh, very casually, apparently, because... That, that was like a lot of chaos, and now we're just comfortably chatting. Well, it's because it's chatting. the thing we've been expecting for six seasons is finally happening. Like, right? Yeah. Kind of I mean, like, we knew it was coming. And, yeah, we knew it was coming again after the first time it came. We knew it was going to continue to come because she continued to do, like, high-level operations on people. Um, I thought that you were going somewhere completely different than this because we knew that she came and we knew she would continue to come because she went back <laughs> into the past where she could have all kinds of good sex again. Boom. Which she does. There is some good sex in this episode, Janine. Is there? There yeah. is some strong asexual content. Hey, yo. So I'm watching season, uh, pardon me, episode six and episode eight, apparently. <laughs> yes. And you yeah. should, you should do that, um... Maybe after we do the postseason wrap up, we'll do a Janine watched. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Janine, if you want to get real about it, you could yeah. watch this episode. But really, episode six. I mean, That's episode six. Yeah, it's, it's in jam. order. Episode That's six the and then episode eight, if I got the time. This one, we'll get to the sex scene. There were two, and they were quite good. Good. Yeah. Butts, baby. Butts. <laughs> Butts and canvas. These are themes. <laughs> I smell butts and canvas. Canvas. Yeah. Also, um, also, broken glass. <laughs> oh, my God. So much broken glass. Guess Wait. where the broken glass came from, Janine? Wait. They fucking took revenge on the windows? Where to the windows. <laughs> to the door. To the ridge. <laughs> That's why I was. I, yeah, Amelia was there. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Till the glass drips down my balls. Because oh. there's glass everywhere. Oh, Dude, ski, look ski, out motherfucker. at her, motherfucker. <laughs> look out at I was. I was so, so scared mad. for him. I was really I was mad. Furious. I was like, there is too much glass on the ground for that sweet baby to be walking around. If you've got time to get yourself a snack, you have time to sweep up the glass so that your cat does not ruin himself and his little pads. Mm-hmm. How dare there. The audacity. I mean, listen, Claire and Jamie are, they're in the right but this whole episode. They they do some stupid things, but they're in the right. Except with one exception. Exactly one. You gotta get out that flash. You gotta get out that flashlight, that flashlight and the vacuum cleaner <laughs> so that the pieces of glass that you don't see with the naked eye shine brightly and you can zip it up. And you know what? If you can't be bothered to clean up the glass, then you're not responsible enough to own all those windows. Agreed. Or a cat. So true. Or, or a, cat. a cat. Yeah. All right. I mean, so, I guess that. Anyway, 
I do have a question. Yes. Because I was fiddling with like an old person with the remote and I missed kind of part of the flashback stuff. I did see that there was a flashback to Stephen Bonnet. Does that was that important? Uh, yeah, because the Stephen Bonnet scene um, was specifically then led into a scene of Brianna talking about how she was never going to be able to be sure who was right. Jamie's birth yes. father. And we did see that. Okay, cool. I didn't the I didn't really catch anything out of the recap other than the Stephen Bonnet thing because I was <laughs> heads down over my remote going, how does this thing work? <laughs> um, yeah, the previously on it did it got the job done, but really it was the shock Stephen Bonnet situation, and the title um, card was made misdirected me hard. I they had juju. I have yeah. questions. Um, we're gonna we will revisit the title card next week for sure when we're doing the mm-hmm. live show, May seventh at the Oasis in Rogers Park. Oh. At eleven fifty nine a.m. because it's not even noon. Uh, come watch us. Come watch us do uh, the drunk cast rolling for the categories live um, at Chicago's finest dive bar. We uh, will talk about it more then because I want to go back and look at it some more because I've got mm-hmm. theories and questions and concerns. But Janine, it's it's my favorite title card of the season. Misdirector, it? no, it's very cool, um, and it is. Some people whose faces we don't see in a diner in what is obviously the 60s. Oh, mm-hmm. that is a head juke. Holy hell. Yeah. Cool. And then a beautifully manicured hand, like, touching a menu as burgers go past. And we see that it's Carmine's, Carmini's Deli or Diner or whatever. But it's very specific. Like, you see the name of the restaurant. But the manicure kind of pushed me a little bit in Gayless vibes. Like, I also had Gayless vibes. Right. We also see we see some red hair, and I always have exactly one question when I see red hair. Yeah. Where did she get the red hair? Exactly. So where did she get the red hair? Did she get it from Jamie Fraser, or did she get it from whoever the fuck Gayless's insane parents are? Mm-hmm. Or is this a completely different redhead? It also mm-hmm. feels like this might be a crossover episode for us in Midnight Burger, because my next question was, mm. like, was there an old-timey radio in the background? What was going on? You know? No, but there was the old-timey waitress, and there were oh. cheeseburgers, and you did see the old-school yeah. sugar container and, like, all that. Listen, yeah. this is a time travel show. That's a galactic time travel-ish show. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It works, because we're going to have to stay tuned next season for more adventures in the vastness. <laughs> Six, y'all. <laughs> Fucking adventures in the vastness for Jamie, not for right now. For Claire, she's got six by six, bitch. She's got six yep. by six in a cot. She doesn't. What have the, the fuck? It doesn't. Oh, oh, oh sorry. yeah. So sorry. Janine, oh, yeah. here we go. Are you ready for some oh shits, Janine? Ah, if you remember, we last left the Frasers on the ridge, preparing to uh, take down a small army because for all of his many flaws, Browntown Ass Clown is aware that if you're going to go toe-to-toe with Jamie Fraser, you're going to need a lot of backup. <laughs> Not a little backup. You're going to need a lot of backup. So he like, came with a... Sm- including a North Carolina tank. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Which we see at one point. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, So we see, first of all, we get the glorious, it's one of my favorite shots of the season, truly. This is the scene where we get the glorious shot in the credits of Claire marching down the weird in-between-z hallway that the the big house has with the gun. 
Oh, she yeah. looks like there's a lot of Claire being a straight badass in this episode. Mm-hmm. Badass, yeah. like action heroine. And she Katrina is very good in this episode for all kinds of reasons. And it's not like it's she's it's an episode where she's such a badass because she's also incredibly vulnerable. Mm. But but Claire does some like remember Jungle Barbie Claire? It's like that only it's like defending the defending the homestead Barbie. She's or remember like, Knife in, in Boot Claire? Yes. Like is this ass. an episode? Is this an episode setting up uh, Katrina to be an action star as well as an Oscar <gasps> winner at some point? I wouldn't be mad about it. Fuck yeah! I would dude. not be mad about Wait, it. Somebody give cast her a her. franchise. Okay. <laughs> Go yes. back in time. Put her in a franchise. What franchise is she in? Why do we need to put her in a? Pr- we well, let's think oh, ahead. Let's create no, one. She's gonna be wow. in the old guard a- across from Charlize Theron. <gasps> old guard. Hmm. I like that. I like um, that. Or <laughs> time tra- That's kind of like time traveling badasses, right? It's kind. It's like a. It's an. It's like a updated so Highland. Has, it's yeah, kind of like an updated on, Highlander. Yeah. She has experience on both levels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, let's make Fuck it, it. I mean, I know it's already cast, but let's pretend it's not. Let's put Katrina in the Furiosa prequel. Come on. Oh yeah. <laughs> what oh, if oh she was God. just hanging out in the Immortan Joe's like room you know what i'm saying what if she was an influence what if she was a a figure of support for young furiosa coming in yeah oh my god come on or hear me out who runs barter town claire (laughs) elizabeth (laughs) beecham randall fraser runs barter town that's who i can't wait Um, for this oh i can't wait for her career to anyway there's a lot of like claire there's in fact let's let's start here well jamie is having his little standoff his tete-a-tete with the with the le- less shitty brown, which is not saying much. Hey, but you know who we don't see at all in this episode? Extra shitty brown. Zero. Mm. The extra shit. Not once. He's gone. He's done. We have excised that ghost. Fuck yeah. Do you think Boom. he was trapped within the window panes, and so when they got <laughs> shot out, he oh. was released from the ridge, and that's why he's gone? Very t- it's That's some straight David Lynch shit. This is the David Lynch season of Outlander, so I'm into that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Um, like Josie in the knob of wood, only it's the 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 worser brown in the windows. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought this was I thought this was a poltergeist reference because of the mirrors. No, well, we do mirrors get a broken come mirror into this mirror one too, too, though. There's a mirror. Are we going through the looking glass on this? Good God. Sort of. (laughs) Well, so we do see one really good moment with Jamie here while he's in his front yard surrounded by about 40 heavily armed men, right? Yeah. We see him being Jamie, being a badass, but we also get this great shot that is very specific of him casing the exits without... Mm -hmm. Without Lionel Brown, not Lionel. What's this guy's? Is this Lionel? No, the other one's Lionel. Without the less shitty Brown, really understanding, clocking what he's doing, because Jamie's so good at it, right? He's just like, I can, I know, I can sense there's an exit to my right. I can sense there's an exit to my left. Straight down the middle, no go. (laughs) Like trying (laughs) to figure out what he's gonna do, right? It's not just the exits though, because he is looking like, okay, who is there's a person over there? Who are there? There's over there. I've got Lizzie and the Beardsleys, and he has like psychic moment with Josiah Beardsley. They clearly said, you know what? We have some stuff to work out because you're secret double married, but let's pause on that and communicate psychically. (laughs) Man to man, I'm going to need you to take your wife and and GTFO and then come back with reinforcements. And then there's a cool moment where, um, where Jamie just casually mentions to Claire that they need to make the, the terrible Browns think uh, that Josiah is in there with them. 
so that they don't know that he is off looking for help. Basically, so they don't go seeing where everybody else is. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Bug runs off being straight useless. Oh my god, the bugs. <laughs> Amelia's face just said it all. Ugh, I'm oh, <laughs> They suck. They haven't, they, they haven't done anything good. It's a bummer because Mrs. Bug occasionally sucks in the books but in the i'm sorry in the books but not but in a fun way like sometimes mm. you're like honey what are you doing and then sometimes she's just cool she's very judgy but also great cook mm. and mm. like passive aggressive that appears to my midwestern sensibilities mm. the cat is in her tunnel making noise Apologies. she's loving it yeah she loves have that you checked it for glass? glass i was gonna say <laughs> do you know who wishes they had a tunnel right now Claire and Jamie. Mm. Oh, and Claire and Jamie. Yes. You know what? They wish they had a priesthood. (laughs) So, no surprise here. They hole up in the big house. And it is a standoff situation. Right? So, like... It's very dramatic. They send one of the dudes around the side of the house, and Claire can see him coming, so she turns around, and she runs and goes to get a shotgun. And as she comes out of the room, he's already got her at the drop with a pistol. And she's like, don't shoot me. And she kind of like gives him the gun. Here you go. And then as she does that, here's badass moment number one. From her right hip. Boom! Pistol. Bam! Blows him right in the gut. Hell fucking yeah, A. she does. Don't come up in my house. As we were watching, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. She's going to take the butt of the rifle and he's going to reach out to get the gun and she's going to like flip it and get him with the butt of the, butt of the rifle. It's going to be great. No, she just straight shot him in the gut. Right in the gut. That, that was Claire... <laughs> has studied at the Jamie Fraser Seminary School for justifying killing people in your mind because yeah. that was there was no hesitation there was no first do no harm shit this was we have to defend our home bye shoots him right in the gut um wow. and uh, and he and it seems off. like a dreadful way to die uh, yeah. because he the uh, spoiler this man's name is Ezra he sucks um and he eventually dies but this episode is an hour long, and it comes near the end of it. So that man just rides a horse with a fucking musket ball in his stomach for a while, and you know who does nothing to help him? Claire Fraser. Let's give her a round of applause. <laughs> you know what? She saved a lot of lives in her day. This, this is not one. Go. No. Yeah. Yeah. This Jamie go. is like, listen, there's nothing good. You, you treat him, nothing good's going to come of it. Either he lives and used to, and they still fucking hate you, or he dies, and then they tell say it's your fault. They extra hate you. Right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, although happens, I don't know, yeah, I don't know whether or not they can hate her any more than they do. Oh, they, they really, can. They really. Well, I guess they can, but they really hate her. They haven't Less even seen Brown her wear. Really hates excuse her. me, they haven't even seen her wear pants yet. Oh my god! <laughs> so their their house is under siege, is what's going yes. on here. I, and this oh, is yeah. when I was like, bet you're regretting some of those windows right now. Oh yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, Janine. I need you to understand that. Of all of the hazards that they experience in the first half of this episode as they're in this standoff, the, th- the looming threat, of course, is fire. Because we've been teasing Chekhov's fire for seasons at this point. But we, it's, the, it is, the it is our Godot, danger for sure. is not the musket balls. It's not the pack of angry white men. It is the fact that every time they shoot through a window, glass goes everywhere. Yeah. There is so much glass I, like you're imagining how much glass there is and i promise you you are underestimating I mean, the amount of broken i'm glass. currently thinking of die hard the best i was gonna say yes. you'd be thinking about yeah. die hard 
Like, basically, like, the moment you stop realizing that the bullets are not the thing you were concerned about anymore, it's that he has no fucking shoes. <laughs> yes. And you know who else has no shoes? Add so the cat has no oh fucking shoes. Oh, my God. Shoes. God damn it. I can't believe you reminded me. I was so mad. I was really mad. Um, so yeah. the short version is Claire is, like, running around getting guns she gets she she's loading a well-oiled while, machine yeah she's loading while he's shooting and i was like this is like me and neil in the kitchen fuck you totally it's yeah. very we've been married you know what julie that is a great analogy it's mm-hmm. the exact same energy it's like this is a thing that we do together a lot so we have a routine and it's seamless only it's not kitchen it's, it's murder <laughs> yeah it's like it's danger right um, so Jamie, first of all, Jamie is in a fist fight with like six people at once yes, and, as and he wins and he only needs an assist from Claire once when she, sh- when she shoots somebody in the tush, maybe that's when she comes out in that breezeway shot that we've seen in the credits oh, is okay. when she yeah. comes to, uh, protect him from them trying to fight him. And then he takes cover from her shooting and runs in the house. That's when the standoff starts. Cool. Yeah. They uh, they flip up their big beautiful table without taking off the clearly expensive Crockery ceramics on the table first. Everywhere. everywhere, everywhere. They're regretting every choice they ever made in terms of their home furnishings. They're wishing they had just stuck with a little cabin. R.I.P. Decanter stopper, because oh. a musket ball hits their whiskey setup and everything explodes. And I'm like, oh, there goes the cameo for best non sentient being acting this this season. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so they're just, the, the house is surrounded, everybody's shooting in, they're shooting out. Jamie's hitting people occasionally, like he's pretty good about it, but they're so, they're so outnumbered. Mm. And nobody's shown up to help them yet. Um, we get a lot of Claire and Jamie talking about their options. And Jamie, because Jamie is Jamie, cool as a cucumber. Here's what's going to happen. Either people are going to come or they're not. Josiah went up, Mrs. Bug got out. Um, Lizzie got out. Lizzie and one. Of, oh, also, if you if you ever want the pleasure of telling a joke with Sam Huon in unison, normally a predictable punchline, not my thing. But I guarantee you, a significant portion of the Outlander viewing population had the exact same experience I did, which was Jamie says, "Oh, she, uh, uh, Lizzie got out. She went off. She's safe. She's with her husband. Beat one of them. One of them." <laughs> I promise you, everybody was like, one of them. <laughs> Simultaneously, one of them. One of her husbands. One of them. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot of talk about, well, they're going to light the house on fire to smoke us out or burn us alive. And there's no, obviously we can't go with them because this is just an excuse to get revenge on us. Because, because he found out that Marsley killed his brother somehow. Less shitty Brown found out that he had that shitty shitty Brown had been killed by Marsley. Oh, we get like just a little drop of that, just like yeah. a oh, ever since he found out, and it's like okay, well, thanks for the update, but yeah. we do find out that he could be specifically out for revenge here. Also, I can't decide if the guy that plays the less awful Brown, which still makes him very awful, I can't decide if that guy is great or terrible or both because he has this facial expression that Richard Brown, by the way, this actor's name is Chris Larkin. He has a facial expression that makes me want to pop him one right in the jaw Mm -hmm. all the time. And it's when he does the thing where he like, like rolls in his lips, like, 
we don't need to have it be like this, Mr. Fraser. <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> it's there's something about it, like <laughs> that. It just makes me want to like bash him just, right in the in the kisser. I, could it be because he looks like a turtle, which then reminds you of Mitch McConnell? Like murderous turtle. You know what? Yes. Because that's what that he reminded just, me of just now. He, he's a murder turtle. <laughs> he's a murder turtle. <laughs> he's a murder turtle. <laughs> he's a murder turtle. Yep. It's real. I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Murder oh, turtle. It's, it's real bad. Uh, I can't do. you. It doesn't have to be like this, Mr. Fraser. <gasps> and then he inhales his whole mouth. <laughs> it's really weird. He um, eats a full <laughs> head of lettuce. Yeah, but it's, it's real slowly. He is unnerving, um, unsettling. Good job, Chris Larkin. But wow, I would have given a lot of money for just one alternate facial expression. Just like one thing where he wasn't going <gasps> with his own lip. <laughs> he, does, he does have the fortitude to try to stop the shooting now that we've oh. been going on for about 30 minutes shoot off. Mm. He comes out with a big white flag and Jamie takes a shot at him like, back off, bitch. And <laughs> Brown's like, wait. Don't you know what a surrender flag is? And Jamie's like, "Get the fuck off my land!" And then shoots. Jamie real close says, to him. "He says yes. if I if I wanted you dead, you'd be cooling. You'd be cooling this minute. You'd be this cooling minute. this minute." And I was like, "You'd be cooling." That is a really sick burn. It's a good Jamie line. But he shoots him like he shoots it right in front of both of his feet, and then he pops the hat right out of his hand. Out of his hand. It's great. And it's like, if I, duh. So what do you want? And so, like, Lionel comes forward, and what does he say about it? He's just like, just let her out. Just send her out here. We just want to take her to the court in Salisbury. Is that the name of the town they're trying to go to? Yeah. Mm. The closest town with a court. Because that's where the stake is. Whatever. I I mean, it's thinly veiled. You know how there are... Salisbury? (laughs) There are people... (laughs) Oh, but then stake for a witch, though. See, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's Ooh. yeah the Salisbury steak. Oh, and yeah, it's got it's got layers. It's got it's like, like an a, like an onion, onion, onion. like an onion. Yeah, onion. Thank you. I'm feeling very Shrekky today. So yeah, we'll get there. Um, so they, oh, they're doing so this bad. standoff, and basically yeah. what Brown is saying is, we don't mean any harm. She's just a murderer. So we've got to take so we've got to take her to to Salisbury for a steak. And also so that she can stand trial. It's just a normal, totally normal thing to do. Um, but here's Brown's first mistake. You know how there are cops that are, apol- no, not apologies cops, uh, who are clearly, they like um, people in general, it doesn't have to be cops, who get off on authority. And no, that's, being a cop, like, but that's definitely, they, they turn into right. cops most often. Less yeah. shitty Brown yes. is like the poster child of that. Yes. <laughs> But very specifically, it's a it's a power trip, and it yeah, is nefarious. Yeah. But it does not actually seem to be what Jamie is saying it is, which is an excuse yeah. to like string her up. He seem he doesn't seem to think he's going to need help stringing her up. He just seems to want to let the law do its his business, right? He's going to take the the stupid witch in her stupid slutty short hair to a town <laughs> and let the and let the court do the work for him, and she'll hang. Yeah. Um, however, to get the assistance he needs to make this happen, he has talked a lot of shit and stirred up a lot of goss about the Frasers. So as a result, he's got a rabid pack of morons who think they've got a witch and a fornicator in front of them. 
this is important because um, eventually the inmates are running the asylum. Mm -hmm. And because Richard Brown is no Jamie Fraser, he's not a leader of men, he has zero control over the situation. And you can watch, again, I've decided Chris Larkin is good in this episode. You can watch (laughs) him get progressively more like, shit, what the fuck do I do now? I I need these people to chill. Why are they so... Oh, it's me. I'm the reason they're so worked It's up. me. It's Shit. me. Shit. Oh, I did this. Um, yeah. So the situation gets progressively worse and worse. The Frasers, they have a little meal. Claire tells Jamie about the American, the grand American tradition of executing people but giving them a Big Mac first. Um, so they talk hmm. about last meals, um, which it's fucking... It's a terrible fucking concept, but it's a good scene. Um they have some nice little romantical moments. They have a very book stuff conversation about how Jamie, uh, this is something that is actually mentioned in the most recent book a couple of times, um, how uh, a soothsayer told Jamie that uh, he was a cat and that he had nine lives. So Jamie asked Claire how many times she thinks he's come close to death. And they have a little chat about how many times Jamie's almost died, um, which, you know, Presumably Spoiler, close to nine. Them. <laughs> no, I think it's like five. Really? So he's, he's only yeah. halfway through, just a little bit more than halfway through? Well, it's fun because he he's like, uh, no, I didn't almost die then. Nope, that, that one doesn't count. Nope, that was just <laughs> bad. That doesn't count. Uh, he didn't miss one, though, because when Dougal popped him one in the head, that should have counted. Uh, and, it, and in the book, it does. So there's Dougal popping him in the head. There's... Uh, Wentworth, there's Leary shooting him. Culloden, there's Leary shooting him. That's four. Uh, There's um, his back. They mentioned his Mm -hmm. back. That's five. And I think that, oh, and the snake. That's six. Six, nine, dudes. (laughs) Nice! (laughs) Um, So they have that nice chat. It's very lovely. Claire takes a little nap. We see Adso walking on broken glass. Which I is really not a was pain. really mad. I was mad. Um, and, then and then we cut to Bree and Roger. Oh, just, and I thought we were getting to look. I am here for their journey and their vacation because, as is proven in this episode, vacation sex can sometimes be the best sex. Nice. But also. I don't really care about them this episode, and I really wish that they weren't there. <laughs> oh, see, I think it's important that we have a little, a little break. Mm-hmm. This episode is an is an hour and three minutes long, and if mm-hmm. instead of being an hour and three minutes long, it was fifty two minutes of nonstop being terrified for Jamie and Claire, I I think that would have been too much. It would I be too would much. Have... It just always felt like it took me out of it every time we went to one of their scenes and i was kind of just like oh okay fine but then you pick you learned things and picked stuff up Mm -hmm. in those scenes but it still it took me out of what i was really paying attention to i sort of liked it also as like a like oh those oblivious little buttholes they have no idea right yeah like oh they're just cozily having some wagon sex Mm-hmm. And talking about when they tell their kid he's a time traveler, yeah, and like, finding out that nice Roger is actually his father. Wait, no, don't spoil! Don't spoil! Why? That's not for a while yet. Yeah, but everybody yeah. who's listening to the show knows that that's coming. 
except for Janine. Now I'm now well, that's such good news. You'll find out. Yes, did, how they figured a, the DNA wait, test? Wait, no, you'll, you'll get see. there. No, Bree invents DNA, DNA test. testing. She's she's been Bree trying to one up that match out. situation. He's a hundred percent that dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. No, it's a this a, that's a um. Uh, well, that, the host a famous of, book scene. So we'll the host, get there. Okay, but the host of that show, now that Bree's invented uh, this, is going to be um, Les Shitty Brown. He's going to be on there, whipping up a storm like Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry, not Seinfeld. No, I'm sorry. There is a messy bitch who lives for drama in this show, but mm. it is actually not uh, Richard Brown. It's uh, bargain rate Clive Owen. <laughs> <laughs> get fucked face. No. Oh no. Oh, you, the leather cape. You're right. Crombie? The cooler, but Fucking not cooler. Yeah, this guy. Yeah. No, not Hiram Crombie. Hiram Crombie does not live for drama. Hiram it's Crombie guy, has a stick up his ass. It's the it's guy, the younger um, guy, the one that gets him on. Yes. Oh. oh. Yeah. The oh. one who is slightly less deader than Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> He, because he doesn't die, and also that's the name of a band, but better. It's better. Better than Ezra, is a band. Oh, we got it. We Thanks, got it. Julie. <laughs> we, okay, you, we got it. It, it definitely was. Um, it, you you be better. Damn it. No. Yeah. No. no. At least I'm, you reached for it. I just. I'm, I'm really disappointed in myself. Uh, you reached right around, uh, which is a thing that um that. Brianna and Roger do a little of here. Hey, um, so the wagon's rocking. It's the it tent. Wagon sex. Oh no, but it's, it's a tent. tent in a wagon, isn't it? No, it's a I tent. I thought the tent was on the wagon. It's no, I think they're on the ground, aren't they? I can't really tell. If the tents are rocking, check the support struts. That makes sense. Yeah. Because it's echoed by the witch wagon, the sin wagon that we're going to be on later. <laughs> sin wagon. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Brianna is support strutting her stuff in this season. Yes, she is. Sure. Yes. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So basically, the first time we see uh, Roger and Bree, they're having a little chat about how um, history is happening right now. Did you know the American Revolution is happening concurrently with the events of this season? Just in case you oh. missed it. They remind you, Lexington Concord. Blah, 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 blah. So they have a chat about that, and then they talk about when they're going to tell Jimmy that he's a time traveler. Uh, Roger says the most stereotypically parental thing I think we've ever heard on this show when he's like, well, there is one downside to, t- to telling Jim that he's a time traveler. He might leave us someday. And I'm like, yeah, except for he doesn't know how to future. Like, no, he's not. He doesn't know how. He's not going to be like... I'm 16, Mom. It's time that I go learn how to drive a car. That's not... It's no. like reverse Rumspringa. <laughs> <laughs> or it's not even reverse Rumspringa. It's just back. 
intense rum the future. Yeah, yeah. the most rum springer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. Where oh. he's going, he won't need roads. In fact, you know what? Where Claire and Jamie struts. are going, they don't need roads. We get some good wagon shots. Anyway, we go back to uh, to stand off at Window Mountain is what I. <laughs> <laughs> Um, On one level, it's good that they have all these windows because they have places to stick their guns out of to shoot at people, but it also means that all those people out there can shoot in more effectively. Yeah. Uh, There's Um, one little thing. It's so small, but I'm so haunted by it that I'm going to make you listen to me talk about it. So, like, right, Janine, we were telling you that, like, Jamie flips the table and, like, he does things like he moves an armoire in front of the window, just, like, trying to block any glass. But there's one window that I think is in, like, I don't fucking know, a parlor where Claire's like, oh shit, I need to cover, like, close these shutters. And there's no good way to do it. And so she gets this, like, fireplace poker with a little tiny hook and then is trying to, like, reveal as little of her hand as possible while trying to use the hook to grab the latch of the shutter. And it's so fast, but it is so stressful. Like, it reminds me of, like, what was that thing at the Tower of London where, like, you put your hand in the hole, and if you got the password wrong, they'd chop your hand off? Like, it felt very much like that. Oh, sorry, Lucy Worsley entered the chat. But, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love Lucy Worsley so much, you guys. (laughs) That was just for me. that was just for you. It was a gift I gave to you and also to Scotty. Uh, is but that yeah, it's the just... same window where Claire does that badass thing where she wheels the chair around and puts the big long shotgun on it so she I can think stabilize so. it? So mm-hmm. see, there's another badass Claire moment happens in Standoff yeah. at Window Mountain. Listen, I want I want her to be the next uh, Die Hard star. Good God, like she's you know what? It. Make Katrina Balfe the next James Bond. Sorry, Sam Huon. No, absolutely yeah. not, I'd Katrina. Watch I'd watch that. That'd be great. And then this is the scene that we were talking about with the food where Jamie asked Claire to make him a sandwich. Um, And then I wrote, y'all, I am terrible at notes. Sorry, I really am. The older I get, the worse I get at it because I'm too intent on watching the show and I forget to write down important things. And because I didn't read the book, I don't know what fucking happens. So Marsley leaves the ridge and everything goes to shit. And Julie is finished with her FedEx notebook and everything goes to shit. Is your FedEx notebook your Marsley? Oh, oh my God. It did have stickers on it. I had personalized it. I'd made it my own. This one is very um, neutral. You know what, Julie? Um, We did get... We did get a sticker in the mail from our dear friend Kiki the Wise. Yes, I need to put those on here. You know what? Maybe that. Maybe that's it. No, 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 no. I'm not putting that on Kiki. I just can't take notes anymore. I'm terrible. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is you can, you can begin to fix this problem with a little help from our friend Kiki the Wise, who You're sent right. us a what? sticker of an eggplant, eggplant that says unsolicited on it. Eggplant is going right here. Yeah. Great. The very uh, special then- Outlander notebook. The, speaking of special Outlander notebook, let's go ahead and turn the page to Brie and Rogers' maybe hottest sex scene they've ever had. Oh, oh it starts so badly. Yes. Mm-hmm. She it was the least starts, sexy. Yes. Roger has been doing some more <laughs> woodworking. Ah. And uh, he, he's, he's upped his game from giving Jimmy a plane to giving Jimmy a car. With wheels which, that turn. With wheels oh, that turn. Clever. Um, I'm with Derby. Book shit. That's they call it a vroom. Um, 
so they have this chat, honestly, very recognizable conversation where they're reminiscing about cars and the weekend we almost broke up. And um, she says, you almost swerved us off the road. And he says, yeah, that's because someone wanted to kiss me when we were on the road. This part of it, good. The problem is he's wheeling the car around her body like that is sexy. And it is not. It's not couple of reasons. First of all, that's your child's toy. You gotta fuck with your child's toy. <laughs> One. Two. Listen, I know that you're good at the uh, <laughs> woodworking, but that thing is still gonna give her vajay splinters. <laughs> yeah. Three. Yeah. A rolling motion is not what you want. It's not. You don't want a rolling. It's not a rolling that you want. Am I wrong? I don't know. She's got that enormous pregnant belly right now, so maybe that shit feels good. Who oh, knows? That's true. Yeah. That's true. So we do that's get to true. see her pregnancy, and then it, the most relatable, and e- even as somebody who's never been pregnant, and hilarious moment of the sex scene is when they have to negotiate the position they're going to take because she's so pregnant she can't fuck like him on top. So Bree takes charge, gets on top, and it is noise. It's hot. Yes. Because we all know that Brie, because of past trauma, has been having a very difficult time allowing herself to relax into the sexual act. This, oh, I yeah. mean, right. Well, yeah. she does here. And I think we can all say we're very happy that vacation sex once again wins, wins the day, and uh, Brie finally has an orgasm. I think we're led to believe that, right? Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. in a. Oh yeah, she definitely has an orgasm. I'm seeing if they, in the um, production credits for the season, if they list the intimacy coordinator. They do. They not. do. The, they are in there somewhere. No, I've seen I'm, their I'm name. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean on the list that they sent me. Oh, um, God. so mm-hmm. I don't have it to hand. I will find it before we do the season awards next week because uh, we get two sex scenes in this episode. They are both brief but like potent. They are emotionally Hot driven. Mm-hmm. They're, one of them is playful and the other is very somber, but they're both hot. And they're both very focused on the act and not the bodies, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, yeah. it's about the sex. It's not about the nudity. They're yeah. naked, but that's yeah. not the point. There's a lot, a lot of close-up like, on butts. Yes, we're seeing the like moving parts. Like, joining. Mm-hmm. It's hot. I think it's it's hot. like... It's like it's a it's change like a for belly outlays. button to knee. Yeah. A lot of the belly button hinge. to knee action. Yeah, the fuck the fuck hinge. I was gonna. Uh, th- yeah, mm. that's it. Because that's a universal. That's the fuck hinge. We're all like, that's the part. That's Hell, the part. <laughs> Amelia, thank you for your. That's service. great. There's there's also <laughs> a lot of like fingers gripping thighs. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like flesh. There's butt flesh. grabs. Fingers yeah. sinking grabs. into. Ooh. That's yeah. the that's Hot the fuck velcro. Credit to <laughs> Sophie Skelton. Um, Brianna looks very much like she's enjoying herself in a completely unselfconscious way. It does not mm-hmm. seem remotely performative. It seems like that woman is experiencing intense pleasure. Not for Roger, not for us. It's like, it's v- it's really good. Also, her accent has gotten better. Yeah. It's not well, she 100%. Just, she's it's gotten, gotten better, better the whole time. She, yeah. every, every season she gets a little bit more, like, I, I really like her now, and I know that we were kind of mean to her and unfair in the beginning, but it's because we expected so much out of that character, and I think especially book readers at first were really like, ugh, but now I, I think. Yeah. I wonder if she it. or the production, this is kind of a, a broad question, but, you know, we've seen Jamie get, or um, 
Sam Hewen gets so much better, and then now we now we're also experiencing that with Sophie Skelton. I wonder if there's like, like, for lack of like a more elegant way to say it, like acting classes or things that they're like going through to like improve. I think it's just. To me, it feels like they're just becoming more familiar with the characters that they're playing, mm. and also more familiar with the people that they are acting against. So there yes. is this. Well, and, okay, sure. And none of them were particularly big stars, mm. so they're also getting more comfortable on camera. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're sure. getting more comfortable with what they're doing. Yeah. But lest we forget, they all—well, most of them—attended one of the world's finest acting acting schools. The Tobias Menzies Academy of Jacting. True. Um, they all got to witness that masterclass for a while. True. Uh, P.S. Little sneak preview: some excellent jacting in this episode. Oh, nice. Some really good jacting, nice. but from someone who didn't overlap with one Frank Randall. It's a, it's, it's, it's good jacting though. Really mm-hmm. good jacting coming up. Um, um, I hold on. I had one more note about the early Roger and Bree stuff. Um. Oh, at one point, Roger says something that sounds like Roadhead, and maybe that is why I thought they were in the wagon. Because I was like, Roadhead? Because I remember it being a triangle. <laughs> I remember the shape of it being triangular, right? Because her hand went down it like this. So to me, that means it's a tent, because the wagon would be rounded. Right. I right? thought it was a tent on a wagon, maybe like it off was. the ground. But their wagon wasn't a covered wagon. They just put their it's tent not a, in the wagon. It's not a Constaga. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're not on the Oregon Trail yet. Uh, so. Conestoga? Conestoga. Yeah. Thank you. I, and I also, never, never said that word out loud, just played the game. Oh, we're, <laughs> we're about to experience some top-notch Oregon Trail shit. We're going to we? be in that wagon, sir. Ooh, baby. Ooh, Don't worry dis- about it. Um, are we talking dysentery, uh, or are we talking like floating the wagon and forty? I mean, all of it. Oh, one of the one other thing that we should mention about the Brie and Roger half of this story uh, is we get a lot of very cute shots of Jemmy in which, hmm, I wonder if this is intentional. He's itching his head. Itching. Itching. Oh, and he no. says, uh-oh, a itching. lot. Hey, you see that little kid go, uh-oh? And it's just like Brie and Roger are like, whatever. Like, they, ne- <laughs> they never really yeah. hear him complaining about his somewhat oh, mild no. discomfort. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. No. Uh-oh. 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 Oh, no. Uh-oh. 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 I'm scared. I'm scared for Jimmy. <laughs> All right. I'm nervous um, for Jimmy. So now we see uh, that that some more people have showed up on the ridge. It's mm. the fish out of folk. And they are led by my friend and yours, everyone's favorite recurring no. stick in the mud. You're going to see a lot of him. Let's give it up for Hiram Crombie, ladies and gentlemen. One of the great plot convenient characters. No, here's the thing about Hiram Crombie. He's not stirring shit. He just has a massive superiority complex and absolutely no sense of fun. He likes the mess, though. He likes to get into the mess. He feels like the mess is his business. Because he's bothered by it. Yes. He doesn't love it. He is bothered by it but because he's but got he a giant it. stick up his ass <laughs> when he shows up jamie's like oh okay guys everything's gonna be fine because here's the thing about hiram crombie he sucks but he but he hates this shit he wants everything to be above board he's like no i won't drink your illicit whiskey no i won't do any of this uh, i like laws and rules and i, I would don't agree like to people 
extrajudicial murder. So it's Hiram Crombie who sucks, but he sucks for good. <laughs> so he shows up and Jamie's like, ha, okay, what a relief. And Claire's like, no, this isn't good. Hiram hates us. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what he hates more? Illegal shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good sign. Uh, however, he has brought with him a bunch of fisher folk who uh, are, are very into screaming, she's a witch, burn the witch. Oh. And we get this the first stone throw. Mm-hmm. The first, Janine. The, the first, first of, The first of many stones being thrown at one Claire Fraser. Who lives in the glass house? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. She's a witch. Stone her, burn her, drown her. Right? Oof. Yeah. Um, I think this is my moment. I, I want to see if I remember if I stored it in my short term memory, but I did make up a song about the police complex in this <laughs> episode. Yes. <clears throat> okay, let's see if I still got it. Okay. Something along the lines of your wife is out there holding. I think that she's the witch. Golly Moses, I'm a little bitch. Oh, Officer Brown Town, I'm really upset. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus Christ. Thank you. <laughs> Just, yeah, a lot of Officer Brown Town, Officer Crombie. <laughs> Officer Crombie, oh my God, it was right oh, there the right whole time. There. But right I first there. made it up about Officer Brown Town, and so that's where, I, oh, Officer Crombie. Okay, Officer Crombie, I'm really upset. <laughs> Allison is unwell. I've got I've one. Allison. No, you've delighted me. I've got one. Um, she's a son and she is a crone. No, she's not. She just came through the stones. Through the stones, through the stones, through the stones. She came through the stones. The stones. God, you guys have found each other in a way that I love. This is not the only music theater joke we're going to make this episode. I just need to warn everyone. No. No. So... If the drama wasn't enough at this point, Crombie coming up and being like, all right, fuck it. You need to come out of this house now so that we can just get this done. Let's keep it above board. I vow that you will not be hurt. Maybe you should go with your wife on this journey, right? And then, like I said, the drama's real high. Get fucked faces with the Fisher people, and he's real mad. And then with the absolute most drama comes Tom Christie. Wait, wait, wait. First... Get fuck face. It's like, no, no, no. Who cares about her? It's him. That tall, handsome man. He killed my sister and her baby. Cause reasons. Cause, but I, I don't know if you're aware, but when men cheat on their wives, um, the society really holds them to account. That's not a totally <laughs> normal thing that happens all the time at all. Something's up um, with him and something's up with Tom. Yeah. So then the crowds part. And comes. in and and into the scene. At, at this point during the crowd cast, I said, "Here we go! It's an Emmy time!" And he's not going to win an Emmy, which there's no justice for. It's too subtle a performance. Mark but Lewis walks, Jones. Mark Let's Lewis start. Jones strolls through the crowd. The crowd parts, and in walks the most diminished Tom Christie. He looks like he has lost weight. His hair is he all is, frizzy and like he just looks oh, like wow. slump. He looks broken, and he shows up, and he's like. Okay, if anybody deserves justice here, it's me. So I guess uh, I'll just go with them. Yeah, I'm going to go with them. Um, I'm to make sure nothing happens to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, everybody's cool with that, right? Me, remember me with the dead daughter? Me, that was me. I've got the dead daughter, and I'm going to say 
They're going to go to trial, and I'll go on this road trip. <sighs> That's going to suck. But uh, it's late, so maybe we could just leave in the morning. Huh? Can we stay? Everybody they okay one, with they that? They one more night in their bed, you know? <laughs> but Is everybody cool with that? Right. There's something behind his eyes. Obviously, he does look diminished. He looks really tired, but there's also something that is almost like con concern is not the right word. Like, um, he no, I think concern. He doesn't want Claire to go through this. There's something. He is disturbed. He is yeah. very disturbed by what's happening and also looks exhausted, but it is very clear that he is doing what he thinks is the only thing possible to try mm -hmm. to defuse the situation, which mm -hmm. he wants to defuse. Mm -hmm. uh, it sure doesn't seem like he thinks that Claire murdered his daughter. No, he, mm -hmm. it, it is clear that he does not believe that and that maybe he has more information than he is sharing. It's, um, it's, re He's so it's good. really good. Um, and, and, Katrina and Sam are also really good in this scene because they are both looking at him and they're having very different reactions and none of it's spelled out, mm. right? At one point in the episode, Claire says something like, what, what is Tom's angle in this? Like, what does he get out of this? And Jamie doesn't say anything. But it is obvious that they both have thoughts about what might be going on here and they're mm. not the same thoughts. Those thoughts aren't spelled out and I'm not going to spell them out because I've read the book. But um, they're both like, What's the deal? What? She, w shouldn't yeah. he be the most mad? WTF but here he mate. is yeah. stepping in to help? Why? Yes. Um, and right on time. And by on time, I mean like four hours late. <laughs> yeah. All those windows could have been saved, Tom. Uh, no, not Tom. Up comes Kenny Lindsay and like the Oh, few, that's right. The, the handful of ridge folk who can be counted on to to hang with the Frasers show up. And I was like, it's like oh, six great. dudes. It's not enough. Yeah. What? Thanks for joining us, folks. It would have been helpful ninety windows ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Claire and Jamie go to bed. Uh, it should be mentioned that the Fisher folk are pe real peeved about this turn of events. And uh, so are the people in the Browntown Ass Clowns posse of morons who aren't uh, Richard Brown, who mm -hmm. doesn't seem happy about it, but is fine. He's fine with this. This is a fine solution. As long as they don't have to die while Jamie Fraser slowly kills one of them at a time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as long as they get that bitch to the courthouse so yeah. they can take care of it for him. Right? Yes. That's really He's all he fine with about. that. Um, so we retreat inside the big house because it's time to get in the big bed and have a big old mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. um, but first, Claire walks to her beautiful, unnecessarily beautiful dressing table. Her so vanity. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It, it survived the attack. Sin. Well, well, she looks down at the, at the top of it, and there's just a little ball, and it's a musket ball. And she picks it up, and we see that there's a crack in the corner of it. It's been shattered. So somebody, I don't know who, but one of those buttholes with a gun is about to have seven years of bad luck. It's not great. My guess is Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> Although that was, that's too short for seven years. Yeah. Hmm. You know, ne neither Ezra nor um, less deader than Ezra uh, is going to have seven, seven years, years of worth bad of life. anything. Well, maybe it's Ezra, maybe it's Richard Brown is about to have seven years of that. Well, Ezra's going to die. Ezra's going to die, and you know by the end of this episode, but he's still going to be around for seven years. He'll be, still be inside the body. 
he'll be decomposing for seven years. Yeah, mm. he has to experience mm. every worm. So this is the this is the somber sex scene out of the two, right? Because mm. the vacation sex tent boning was pretty hot. This is hot too, but it's way more. Could be you the last what? time we get to touch each Claire other in this way. And Jamie are very good at somber hot sex. They've had mm-hmm. a lot of somber hot sex because they had a lot of goodbye sex. Mm-hmm. And That's this weird... is like yeah. they clearly think this might be their very last night together in this bed. So Claire looks at the damage to the mirror and she says, "We have a beautiful house." And Jamie says, "You'll see it again," but maybe he doesn't believe it. They get into bed. Katrina has one tear going down her beautiful face. And she turns and looks at Jamie, and he looks at her, and they kind of smush each other's faces. It's very sad. Oh, that's like Hook. She tells him she's really scared. Like, she admits vulnerability to him about how scared she is. Which is so nice to see after this whole season of Claire not saying shit about how afraid she is. They're they're obviously really connected, and the sex reflects that. They try, there's this two close-ups on either one of their hands touching the other person, and it's almost like they're trying to memorize, like you can see them trying to memorize each other's, the way each other feels through their fingers. It's very evocative. It's beautiful. Ooh, yeah. that, gave me, that gave me chills just thinking about it. And oh then, once gosh. again, we get a lot of close-ups on the sex hinge this time. <laughs> yeah. Fuckhinge FTW. Fuckhinge this fuck episode. The oh golden pample moose goes to the, the fuckhinge. Fuck <laughs> I just think we should all be, feel so lucky that uh, little deaths don't count towards Jamie's nine lives. Yeah, because if right? little deaths counted towards Jamie's nine lives, he'd already he be dead. Died. <laughs> no, he'd be he cool in this minute. <laughs> oh, he would have been cooling back in like, season one, like folks. twenty years ago. He would have been cooling yeah. when he was like twenty-six. It's a really, it's a really beautiful scene. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really good sex scene. I honestly like not, maybe not the most memorable. Certainly not the the hottest but one of the most well done, very specific, rooted in emotion, still hot, but it's not about that. It's it's the opposite of gratuitous. It is a completely believable, understandable, narratively justified sex scene that also happens to be hot because these people are hot. It it's reminds like, me of when they fucked on the stones right before she went back yes, because it yes. was that sex mm. scene that was the famous guacamole sex scene because yeah. it was so fast and like just because it felt that that's what would happen in that moment. That's exactly what would happen if you were in that space with that person at that time. Mm. And this, and this is, is the same. not fast. They have though. the whole night, right, but they know they have the whole night in their room and they can take this time to actually like like the whole thing like memorizing each other like it it was it was good also um some this is jamie payne who also directed the last episode as the director there is a beautiful shot beautiful where we've gone away from the the sad bone and we go back to the level of broken glass and we hear Claire moaning and it sounds like she's having an incredible orgasm and sobbing at the same time while the camera sort of like glides over the floor covered in broken glass. It's beautiful. It's really, really well done. Uh, Jamie Payne, man, he really knocked this shit out of the park. Good. He is a good director. All the directors this season have been choice. There's a window pane joke there and I just couldn't get there. Yeah. Anyway, Patty. Uh, but Claire, all but right. Claire got there. Claire got there. Well, oh, she's pro- presumably oh. repeatedly, obviously. 
Um, next morning, guess it's time to go. And this is where I was like, all aboard the sandwagon. So Claire and Jamie are put in this Conestoga, like stereotypical looking canvas covered wagon. And there's like two people, armed people in the wagon with them. And then there's a whole half of the guys are behind the wagon to make sure they don't escape. And then uh, half guys in front, like they are really intent on Jamie Fraser, not busting out of this shit. With yeah, his they, wife or they clearly think he is going to Kool-Aid man right through all of them. Yes! <laughs> like, so there are, there are more yes! men than necessary. And you can say yes. Jamie being like, oh, okay. I mean, I get it. Uh, it's, it this it's, is cute. You, <laughs> I mean, if there I'm, were five less, I could do I'm it. I'm flattered, but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. That's fine. It's um, I'm with my wife. Also, the less shitty brown um, comes around to the back of the wagon, uh, and he says, "Now don't you be going anywhere because this gentleman here in the nice leather capelet—he's not Clive Owen, but he looks like him. He and his soon-to-be dead friend Ezra—they're gonna be watching you the whole time. So it's very much the production going." This is the tertiary character that you need to pay attention to. This one. This guy. You can ignore all the other guys. They're just guys. This one is the one. Um, so that's when we meet Bargain Rate Clive Owen. Um, he has a very stylish little leather capelet, um, but he also just looks... He's real thirsty for blood. He's, uh, he's, very, he's another one who's getting off on the power. He's a yes. very into being the one to like menace them. Ezra probably would be too, but Ezra has. Um, he is in face. real pain. Yeah. He a flesh lead, wound. Um, he probably has lead yeah. poisoning by now. Goodness. Just, it's not good. Not looking yeah. good for He's, old Ezra. And Claire knows this site because, by the way, she watched Jamie get so sick that he fell the fuck off of his horse way back at the beginning of the show. Um, so she's she's familiar with what it looks like when somebody is is not doing well on horseback. Um, so she says, oh, maybe I should treat their wounds. And Jamie's like, fuck no, you shouldn't. No, absolutely not. And she's like, yeah, okay. It's great. It's so, you know what that is? Growth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't have to fix that person. Okay. And then, so they're Boundaries on the road. Are good. Boundaries are good. Yeah. That's great. They're on the road for a while. We see Ezra getting worse and worse. And then all of a sudden we get to Salisbury and realize there's no court there anymore because once again, messy drama happening at Salisbury. Something happened politically where there was like half the town was revolutionary and half the town were royalists and they just fucking were like, fuck this. And like all law went away. So there's no court there. Oh shit. You and can now they're like, Richard Brown is peeved. Pissed. But now he's like, well, guess we have to ride to Wilmington another 10 days. And, and then when the wife's the like, no, no, but what about Cross Creek? We could go to Cross Creek. And the less cool brown or less shitty brown is like, well, but no, you stupid fucking idiot, you big moron. Why don't you know everything about everyone here? That's where his aunt lives. His aunt is friend with the judge. No, we can't go to Cross Creek. What the fuck is wrong with you? Get it together. Come on. What is the deal? It's an unnecessarily long exchange, but they can't go to Cross Creek. They have to go to Wilmington. Mm. And Jamie hears this happen. And immediately the soldier in him and the leader of men in him goes to Claire like, guess what? Everybody hates that asshole. It's only a matter of time. And I, what was the note? Jamie explains the Moby Dick situation with Brown's men. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> He's like, yep. it's only a matter of time before some 
fissures happen here and it it's going to it's yeah. going to crack apart in some way or another so we just have to hang on and and see how it shakes out and mm. then he's got to take a piss and i've got to say my favorite note that came across the crowdcast came in this moment why is jamie always running into people when he's taking a piss <laughs> he really is so um somebody escorts him out to take a whiz and meanwhile there's some pugilism happening in the background mm. and uh the guard is obviously very into the pugilism so he's looking he looks at jamie and he looks at the fist fighting and he looks at jamie and he says you're not gonna run off while your wife's in there and just leaves him <laughs> which is Gosh. turns out to be a wrong move because jamie takes his dick out looks up into the woods and straight into the eyes of his nephew Ian is right there. So we missed one tiny little thing that was just a throwaway, which was Ian coming back to the ridge after they'd all left and Lizzie oh, yeah. running out and telling him. So Ian sure. and his people are hiding. <laughs> and Ian's like right there, like, what do we need to do? And Jamie's like whizzing, you know, just He's looking like, look, right, directly into the trees. Like, you need to hold off for right now. I think you'll know. Just stay with me. Like, follow us. Just don't get caught. Right? Yeah. So... We know that Ian is out there in the woods. God. Ian is clutch. It's, yes. it's Ian time. Ian is always on time. That's awesome. Ian is clutch. And he's just like, I got you. We're here. No one's going to know we're here because we're extremely good at our job. So we'll just be here. And if you need us, you just say the word. We'll be here. It's a very nice little scene. And John mm -hmm. Bell is very good in it. It's like brief, but real... Mm. Oh, it was Kristen. I'm sorry. It, it was Kristen. It wasn't Amanda. Kristen's the one that's like, Jamie meets so many people when he's taking a piss. Yeah, he really does. Um, well, his, his, uh, his milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Nope. That's uh, not what that is. Milkshake no. stick. Although, you know what? His stir he stick. Does have, he does have the pecs. He yeah. does. Pecs. Uh, we did miss the... Um, I was too busy thinking about Ian coming to save him. Uh, this... In between here, there's another Roger and Brianna scene. Once again, I was like, Ugh, okay, okay, fine, 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 fine. But this one is the most important one, in my opinion. So they find out that Jimmy's got lice and they got to shave his head. Brie retains her amazing haircut skills. Checkoff's itch. And then he done this, and then that's where the mole is, that Roger also has the same mole. There's this very cute moment where Brie covers Jimmy's ears and looks at Roger. It's a very human little moment. Looks at Roger and she goes... He had such beautiful hair. It's very cute. Um, but Jemmy has a cute little haircut, and they're so excited. They're having a nice chat about there's this big thing, and Brie gets worried that it's a mole. Do they need to be worried about it? And Roger says, no, 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 no. I have one of those. It's hereditary. I got one right here. He's fine. It's hereditary. And Brie just sort of looks at him like, Roger. And he's like, what? It's hereditary. <gasps> it's hereditary. No. And then Richard Rankin kicks the shit out of this. First of all, beautiful hair. I don't know if that's his hair or that's a wig, but that is some good we get a good mm -hmm. ch choice shot of the Roger hair. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, and I wrote R.I.P. Roger's hair because he's about to get a haircut yeah. too. And it's because very sad. He, he, Richard Rankin, great little moment. He looks at him and he's like, "Oh, that's so weird. I think I've got, I think I've got lace too." And makes Brianna cut his hair because, like father, like son, I've got Aww. lace too. But really, he just wants to be able to see his birthmark. So they both have. It's very nice. Mm -hmm. it's a nice little moment that is some straight from the books shit it happens in the big house when it happens in the books i thought we had we've passed the point where that scene happens mm -hmm. so i had thought it was um not gonna happen at all um and i was really so the note that i took is we can have a little birthmark as a treat um, <laughs> because it's 
it's it's a nice little mo it's the one nice thing that happens in this in other than the the pleasant vacation fucking it's the one nice thing that happens in this entire episode it's the one that's one you get one uh and it's that little moment and good then job richard rankin good job sophie skelton that night is when uh, Jamie sees Ian in the woods, so we know that everything's afoot with the sin wagon train and that they're, uh, there's backup. Mm. Um, and then we get this scene where they're riding the Conestoga wagon through what looks like a mud town. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Some kind of settlement. It's, it's what a normal ridge looks like when yes. you haven't taken your labor and put it all towards making a mansion. It looks like what the serfs look like in old Monty Python sketches. Like they're just wallowing in mud and throwing it on each other. That's kind of what it looks like. But Les Shitty Brown doesn't take this as these people aren't going to get rabble roused. And he just starts screaming, here she is in the wagon. Mrs. Fraser, the witch. We're and guess what that does? Rouse him up. He, you'd think he would have picked up on the fact that maybe he's lost control of, his, of the situation. But no, no, he hasn't. No, uh, because then after this bargain rate, <laughs> bargain rate, Clive Owen starts up. Don't worry, folks, your committee of safety is going to, yeah, we're going to take her to Wilmington and see her hanged. And then don't all you the worry. people start throwing rocks and dirt clods at the wagon. And there's an attack on the wagon. Claire punches a dude in the face. Bam. He's out. They're trying to protect each other inside the wagon from all the rocks and shit. They make it through. real quick. I love that moment so much. And I just want to highlight one little detail, which is the way that the shot is set up. You see a guy trying to climb through the side of the wagon and then you see a hand pop him in the face. And as the hand pops back, we see that it's Claire's hand because I assumed it was Jamie. And then it comes back. It's like, boom, no, she clacked him really good. Um, it's, but they're getting, they're both getting hit. Jamie is shielding her with his body and trying to cover his head at the same time. But things are still hitting Claire. It's very scary. And, and then, then here comes Tom Christie. Tom Christie shoots a gun in the air. Let's think about who Tom Christie is for a second. And he shot a gun. To yeah, stop I'm everybody. A self-righteous dude in the history of this show full of self-righteous people mm. pulls a gun to get people to chill the fuck out because this is because now his name is on the line too. I mean, obviously his primary concern is for the well-being of these people who obviously he has a very complicated relationship with both of them. Yeah. But none of that seems to matter right now because he's just trying to do the right fucking thing. And they're making it really hard. And at this point, <laughs> Richard Brown is like, I got Come on, you guys! Come on, we're almost there. God, what a fucking piece of shit. Uh, and then we, Jamie and Claire, are having a nice little chat about um, about punching people and not breaking your hand while you're doing it. There's a very yeah. cute moment where he's like, where she says, "How have you punched all these people and not broken your hand?" And he says, "Your hand's not broken, Sassenach." She says, "How do you know it's not? I'm the physician." She says, "Because if you'd be you'd be white and puking instead of red and crabbit, crabbit, crabbit." And she says, "Crabbit, my ass." And he kind of looks at her. She says, "Okay, maybe I'm crabby. It's great. It's a great little scene." <laughs> Crab, crabbit, my ass. Um, so they have this nice little chat, and they're tending to their wounds. And then Jamie notices that uh, less shitty brown has traveled away and come back with a mystery friend. Um, so they are, they're on alert, but maybe they're not enough on alert. Mm-hmm. 
So they stop for water. Jamie gets out of the sin wagon to go get a sip because they tell him to go get some. And then Claire tries to get out and they don't let her out. And that should have been Jamie just turning right around and getting right back in the wagon, right? No. So here's their chance, right? So five dudes descend on Jamie and grab him and stop him. And then the wagon takes off. So they're dragging Claire alone to Wilmington. Oh, no. She's, it's heartrending. She's, she clearly thinks this is the last time they're ever going to see each other. Yeah. They're both scream. It's rough. And the wagon just, there are people holding her back, and the wagon just takes off. And this also happens right after we see Ezra actually die. So oh, yeah. now, Ezra now falls off the horse. Right, right before this, Ezra falls off the horse. So now she's got better than Ezra being dead on her ass. And then they're taking her at... The wagon maybe that's to, maybe that's how they decided that was it was time because they were it was like time hey, to separate them. Hey, Ezra's about to die. Let's wait when he falls. That's when we know it's time for us to do this. Like it was like a like I wouldn't Alexa. put it past these buttholes. Alexa, set a timer for when Ezra's dead. <laughs> <laughs> then we get a voiceover. Allison, we did not need this voiceover because everything that she says in the voiceover, we were already living. I yelled no narration, and then I got really interested in whether or not. I, now I want to go back and check the rest of the narration this season because it seems like maybe we get the narration when Jamie's gone. Oh, oh, interesting. Because it was it was very jarring. It was like out of nowhere, but it was as soon as Jamie and Claire were separated. And it's mm. just Claire talking about how she is afraid that Jamie has died. Um, and they're making their way through the woods and she's screaming and making a fuss. And then who comes trotting up on galloping on horseback? But Tom Christie and Claire's like, no, stay with Jamie. Stay with Jamie. What the fuck? And I would like to say this. It's maybe my one writing note for the whole episode. Uh, I believe that Claire is concerned, but I don't believe for a second, for a second, that Claire Fraser thinks that Jamie needs Tom Christie to stand up for him. Um, Mm -hmm. As Tom says, your husband can take care of himself. I don't know if you noticed this, Claire, but they brought like 20 guys because your he husband could take is, 10. <laughs> is a superhero slash serial killer. So <laughs> like, he's going to be okay. Um, and also the, there are all kinds of people. They hate you, but there are all kinds of people who would be very mad if somebody murdered Jamie Fraser. Also, you counted his lives. He's got plenty left. Come on, get it together. They get to Wilmington, and it looks like Wilmington has its own fucking problems, and Claire is just another one on the bus. There's shit on fire in the streets. It's clear graffiti. there's been unrest, graffiti. It's, it's cool. clear the, uh, the Sons of Liberty, obviously, have been through here. Mm. Yeah, you and we so only like, get mm. little glimpses of it from the back of the wagon. Like, we're back to Claire's perspective, not exclusively, but very frequently. Um, and Tom is there and he's just look at, I'm, he said something earlier about like, the only way I can keep you safe is if I never let you out of my sight. Mm-hmm. Um, they show up at the jail, they walk her in, um, and, and her hand they, was that shot in the jail from the preview that yeah. we didn't know who it was earlier. Claire's Remember hand. the oh, preview? Yeah, yeah. That was her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um. She goes walking through the jail and we pass by a woman who's clearly washing herself and somebody else who looks really diminished. And then uh, Claire gets in her cell and then all of a sudden we hear one of them go, pop, squish. Uh, uh. No, this is a cell block tango joke. Lip shits. Um, uh, He had it coming. No. The Merry Murderesses of Wilmington. Um, There's also a dude in there. There's the dude that's staring at her. 
Remember, yeah. we kind of see him from the back. So it's a, it's an equal opportunity jail is what we're saying. Mm. Yeah. Um, but she gets ushered into her jail cell. Tom Christie tries to hand her. Uh, it's one of these episodes, guys. Nice. It's just water, but still. Was that um, her medical bag? Her bag? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Tom Christie tries to hand her her bag and the warden or whoever is like, nope, and just takes it. And they li- there's a lot of menacing bullshit said by everybody involved. They all leave except for Tom, who stays. Mm. And once everybody is pieced out, he hands her, he hands her a bag of money through the bars and says, for your upkeep. Like, clearly he's setting her up to bribe the guards. Um, and, and it's very, he is, um, he knows concerned. something. He's concerned. Interesting. It is worrisome. Mm. And then not as worrisome as Jamie tied to a pole on the beach, which is where we go next. Oh, because she says, he says, your husband, um, oh, at one point Lionel's like, your husband isn't being taken anywhere, but he's being sent home. This is important to know. That is important. Um, and, uh, and Tom Christie says like, listen, your husband is fine. He, he can take care of himself. I promise you he is a okay. He is, mm. you don't need to worry about him. You worry about you, hun. And then we get a, a POV shot of Jamie, the bag being lifted off his head. And there's bargain rate Clive Owen staring, staring at him, mm-hmm. um, being like, your wife's going to die. Me, 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 me. Um, and, uh, being a butthead and then he says listen you're you're fine you're just gonna you're just gonna go on back to scotland see that boat see that boat and i'm like no more boats fuck (laughs) (laughs) so this guy that showed up the secret guy in the blue coat that we were like who's this motherfucker this dude with a boat that's going back to edinburgh like that day so Lionel, I uh, sorry, Richard Brown had bribed him to throw Jamie on this boat and take it back to Scotland, taking him home. Shit. Yeah. Right? But I mean, what do we think is gonna happen, Janine? Um well, Jamie is also Aquaman, so he's gonna call for help from dolphins. And uh, <laughs> the, um that would be great. But no, uh, yeah. here we've got we've already had Chekhov's lice, we've had Chekhov's ointment. Yeah. Now, Chekhov's a nephew. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all of a sudden, dude tries to threaten him. Arrow, boom. That guy's dead. All the guys are like, what the fuck? And then arrows everywhere. Bam, bam, bam. Dead. So dead, we've dead, got dead, dead, Ian. Dead, dead, dead. Yeah. We've got Ian. We've got John Quincy Myers, somebody else who's clutch. Yeah. Shout out, JQM. Uh, and then a, a bunch of First Nations people. Um specifically uh what is chief bird who sings in the morning chief bird it's chief bird who sings in the morning um is there uh, as well and is like making eye contact with jamie but then oh oh no we hear a fouling piece click and turns out bargain rate clive owen is holding a gun on jamie he's got and they're all there's a tense standoff but he's obviously outnumbered and jamie says no ian do not shoot him he knows where claire is Beep, beep, beep. Maybe best line reading of the season. John Bell says, so do we, uncle. And then the dude sticks out his hand and a bullet goes through his hand and his hand falls away. And we've seen it also goes through his eye. It is the coolest shot. Wow. I can't wait for you to see this shit, Janine. It's a very cool shot. And it was Cheap Bird Who Sings in the Morning that did it. 
Oh, awesome. I told you I would fight with you, bear I killer. I told you I'd fight with you, bear killer. And it's like, fuck to- yeah. Like, your um, excuse me. Shit. Like, I it was you. pure. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Pan's Labyrinth. Um, I have one note about this, which Chief Birdie sings in the morning. Respect. You are very cool. I'm so glad that you're in this season. But Jamie did not kill a bear. He killed a man dressed in a bear suit. I have just a note. It's a note. It's an inaccurate nickname. So that's the end of the fucking episode. It is. And then that's it. That's a that's a really good like kind of end moment though. Claire's in fucking jail, yo. So do we we gotta wait a whole year to see what the fuck happens with Claire? This is kind of how I felt at the end of Severance, where I was like, "What the fuck? That was the last one. Fuck." We love a I love a I love a really good cliffhanger, especially when you don't have to worry about whether or not the show is coming back. Yeah, which we don't. We already know we're getting a season seven. So admit, and also I will say this: yes, it's a cliffhanger, but uh, Jamie is now with Ian and John Quincy Myers and a bunch of very dangerous extremely well-armed thanks being an indian agent first nations people um so yes we're not sure what's going to happen to claire but we can be reasonably sure that she's not going to die because jamie is now not one dude he's one dude and a bunch of other very lethal dudes Mm -hmm. ian might be better at killing people than his uncle is y'all he's very good at killing people so do so, we, Uncle. What a good fucking response. So do we. It's and it's so oh. casual. It's a really good line reading. I was like, yeah. So do we, Uncle. Bam, dead. And you see this guy go, oh shit. Nope, that's it. That's all she wrote. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a really great moment. Oh man. And that's the finale. That's it. Wow. Mm-hmm. I really thought we were gonna get farther in this story, and I'm glad that we didn't. Actually, I think it's. Um, I think it was the right place to break it because this episode gave us way more hot piss than I was expecting. Yes. Way more. Lots of hot piss. Lots of hot piss in uh, the fucking standoff between Claire and Jamie. And then also like lots of hot piss in the wagon between Claire and Jamie. So it was effective. And then Brie and Roger also all hot piss. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And one cold piss because it looked like it was pretty chilly when Jamie was taking that leak. But then it got real hot when his nephew showed up. Like, thank God. And who do you call the platinum pamplemousse for this episode, dude? We already gave it away, didn't we? We gave it to the no, fuck No, that hinge. was a fuck hinge. That's, <laughs> here's what I'll say. We don't need to give the fuck hinge the platinum pamplemousse. What we can just say is the sex scale is unnecessary because this episode, while it was not about the sex, had two of the best Set, and I don't mean best in terms of hottest. I mean mm. best made, like well shot, through well line acted. story, acting, yeah, story, right. uh, and then also hot. Um, two of the best sex scenes the show has ever done, I think. Not the flashiest, and not the sexiest, but just like really, really well done sex scenes. It's reminded me of why one of the reasons why I love the show in the first place. Um, but but early on, some of those sex scenes were like. Here you go. Here's some fucking. This didn't feel like that at all. This was not fan service. It was totally justified by the story and really, really effective. So, fuck hinge gets like an MVP shout out, and also the boning scale is unnecessary because it was great and it was totally justified. This episode could not have existed the way that it did without those sex scenes. Uh, I found the name of the intimacy coordinator. Yes, great. please. Uh, Vanessa Coffee. Hey, Vanessa. Thank you, Vanessa. Miss Coffee. Vanessa. Good yeah. work. Great job. 
Miss Coffee. She knows she knows a thing or two about cream. <laughs> oh, wow. Ah, that is a semen joke. <laughs> I'm feeling a little punchy. All right, so no sex scale. Let's before we get to plant and pamper moose. Let's talk about costumes real briefly. I love Claire's coat and Bree's coat. Bree's I'm coat. very, I'm mm-hmm. very into the the ladies' wear this season. I also want to shout out the costume designer for the completely unnecessary leather capelet because on the off chance that that dude had not looked like bargain rate Clive Owen, I would have not been able to tell any of those also rands apart. You're so right. it was a useful leather capelet. Well done. Um, so the scale, let's see. Um, from uh, drunk history doing the Revolutionary War <laughs> to Disney Plus presents Hamilton and American Musical. Where do we fall for the mm. costumes in this episode? I don't John know. Adams miniseries starring Laura Linney. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amelia. Yes. Agreed. Awesome. Speaking of clutch, way to go, Amelia. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and then the getting up to get a getting up to get a beer scale. Well, I had to pee not... so bad. I had to pee so bad for the whole last twenty minutes, and I did not get up. Yeah. So see, I had the crowd cast on, so when I had to pee real bad, I could listen to Allison's audio. And then oh, just no, frantically pee and then run back to my living room. So, like, eh. <laughs> you could. Just saying, join the crowdcast, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com <laughs> slash Wildlandercast. Oh, look at that. Marketing. Pair it with a Bluetooth <laughs> speaker and carry it with you to the toilet. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That way, you can be, you two can be sitting on the toilet and then you can hear me go, God, that guy is really good, which is pretty much all I said during the podcast about yes. one Mark Lewis Jones, which I think brings us to Planet Pamplemousse. Yes, yes. It's a yes. this is a debate, folks, because there are lots of candidates. There are lots of candidates, so I want to hear if there are alternate opinions. But for me, he is the obvious Planet and Pamplemousse. Yes, this episode. as so good Christy. as yes. all of our main players are, and they're very good. Yes, That's, because he's he carries the whole he without doing much of anything carries the whole episode truly i was con- from the second he showed up i was always aware of where he was and what was going on with him exactly he is conveying that with such minimum effort mm. that he has some sort of knowledge or some sort of crusade that he is on that he cannot reveal like you can you can just feel it waving off of him without him really doing a lot. And mm-hmm. that is skill. Skill. Yes. Like, and Janine, if and we wisdom. Okay. And wisdom. No, like, go there's ahead. this moment, Janine, that I feel like if we brought it up, we need to talk about it again because I'm still like actively haunted by it. It's somewhere in the like Oregon Trail journey where. It's oh, yeah. By the way, Janine, they tried to ford the river. Why? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. They did, but they made God it across. God damn it. They, they made got it, a witch it was... to burn. <laughs> Joy. Hello. Amelia, uh, but there's a moment where Tom Christie is clearly, he's been up for days, weeks, months, I don't know. Um, and he does like kind of like inverse jacking where he like, he's awake. It's not like he's asleep on his horse. He is still like clinging to consciousness. But there's something about how like his whole neck disappears 
and his eyes are bloodshot and he's mm. just trying to like be there and still be in Bear the witness. game that is yeah. so upsetting. Yeah. It is so upsetting. And that alone, it's his inverse jacking alone <laughs> that gets him the pamplemousse for me. But like, <gasps> Janine, when mm. you skim through this episode looking for butts, look for inverse jacking. <laughs> I'm like, looking, quickly I'm look- cool those loins and then fire them back up again. It's fine. I, I'm looking. I'm looking for the full hinge. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very. It's a. You know what? MVPs for this episode outside of Plant and Pamplemousse: the fuck hinge and the neck hinge. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Not to be confused with Mick, the Mitch McConnell face no. earlier. <laughs> very different. Very different. <laughs> Murder turtle. Murder turtle. Murder turtle. Uh, you know what? We're not going to call him the less shitty brown anymore. Murder turtle. That's <laughs> Murder, Murder turtle, turtle is on. <laughs> New nickname has been created today. Murder, Murder turtle. turtle. And it's great because if you say it with his the face he makes, it sounds perfect. Murder, Murder turtle. turtle. <laughs> Murder turtle. <laughs> oh. You know what? That might be the best new nickname since Coinface. That's a keeper. Yeah. Good. good job, That's everybody. Good oh, my. That's a good one. Okay. Um, we will talk about this more in our live episode next week, and then we'll probably do one or more on the one episode or a couple more on this season post-live show because there's a lot to talk about. And frankly, I am so gratified to feel like, wow, there's a lot to say about this season of Outlander. Because yes. that hasn't always yes. been true recently. That is it's so like, true. It's there have always been good episodes. There have always been good performances. There have always been things to discuss, but I haven't always wanted to. Like I can intellectually say, "Never My Love" is a very well-made episode of television. I didn't want to talk about it at all. Nope. This, like, it's upsetting, but it's. I'm so excited to keep talking about this show, and it's been a while. So it's been, been a, a while, while since I felt that way. And it's, I really it, do. It's given me hardcore season two vibes. Mm. In in that I I keep uncut. We forgot to mention, by the way, fucking Fergus started a paper and named it the Onion. I want you it's to know the that's onion. real. And that's in the book, so I don't think it is actually a shout out. But but you know what? That, what? But it it's is. the Onion. I love but it's it the onion. because. Because it because it has layers. It yeah, has because layers. it has layers. So that's what I was saying. There are layers to this that make me think more, make me want to talk more, make me want to like try to parse it out more. Whereas like maybe last season or the season before, I was just kind of like meh, like I didn't care as much. Well, you know what? This and we'll talk about this next week too. But the thing that this season has done that I think has made it the most successful is it's a lot less handholdy than almost any season of this show since season two. There, mm, I agree. There's more trust in the audience and there's mm-hmm. more trust in the actors, which mm-hmm. is good because you've got to really, and you know who got better this season because they were being given more trust? Literally everyone. Mm-hmm. Everybody in this cast either was as good as they've always been, like Katrina, or although I do think maybe her best episode in the, sh- in the show is in this season, but mm-hmm. I mean, she's as good as she's always been. Um, this was Sam's best season. 
mm-hmm. for sure. I think this was Dan Boy's best season, and we did, even though we didn't see much of him, definitely John Bell's best season. Yes, probably Sophie's best season. Not Richard's best season, but that's only because he had so much to do last season. Mm. That's that's just opportunity. Um, we get very little of Jocasta, but she's great. This like everybody, everybody is really good this season because they gave these actors the opportunity to really craft a performance and not just check boxes. Yes. I wonder, I wonder too, like not to like, uh, but also this was the, they shot the season after pandemic stuff, right? Yeah. This is the COVID season, which again, shout out to tall ship productions. They made a point of calling this out at New York comic con. They had not one COVID outbreak the entire time they were shooting the season. So good for them. Cheers to every, all of the like, COVID officers and all of the protocol, whatever they did, it worked. And thank you to those people for keeping their artists safe. Yeah. Um, so that we can enjoy stories like that. We can enjoy our stories, our special yeah. programs without having to feel <laughs> guilty about it in that yeah. respect. Um, so salute. Well I think done. That, I think that also says a lot too, for given that extra level of circumstance, like them still being able to still feel yes. comfortable and take it to the next level. Like yes. there's a lot to say about that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we will keep talking about it, but for now, I think it's time to say goodbye. Brief reminder, we already said it a couple times, but May 7th, The Oasis. Rogers Park's The Oasis here in Chicago uh, at 11.59 a.m. because it's no, even not even God's tooth. Um, and I, God's I should tooth. also mention God's tooth. I should also I've mention, said, I need to know that I've said God's tooth to myself every time I've opened a beer before noon since you have announced the live show. <laughs> It's right. more than once. And every time I've said into my refrigerator, God's got to it. I should say uh, there is no need to show up before 11.59. The show is not going to start at 11.59. The Oasis opens at noon. I was just physically incapable of resisting that joke. So just show up at noon. But we'll be there before it's noon. Because <laughs> it's not even noon. Um <laughs> But please come join us. Uh, it should be really fun. Um, and then the Kentucky Derby is happening, so bring a ridiculous hat and watch it at the O. Hell yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast. You can find us on Twitter at podlandercast. Also Sickburn Jane. You can find us on Instagram at podlandercast, podlanderpresents, and Sickburn Jane, uh, where if you go follow Sickburn Jane, you can see some little glimpses of when one Amelia Bazell and I traveled to... The Bridgerton Experience. Wonderful experience. That looked like fun. It was <laughs> stupid. Um, we had so the best stupid. time. We had a really good time. We loved it. Um, it was so stupid. Yeah, it was really, we had a great time. It was so dumb. Um, bless him for being so dumb because it was enjoyable. Uh, you can find us on the, all of those places and uh, follow along. We'll do Instagram Live at the bar next week, too. So um, that's a good reason to hop on into Instagram and go to PodlanderCast, um, where you can occasionally, apparently, witness our joy at being inexplicably shared by Lauren Lyle. Uh, that was fun. That was fun. That was fun. Shout out, Lauren. Fucking A, Marsley. We love you. Forever. Lauren, if you're listening, you rule. We love you. you we love rule. you, girl. <laughs> we love you, girl. Um, you can also find us on 
Patreon at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast where you can support the show, um, get access to our crowdcasts like the one that we did today, get early access to episodes, get bonus episodes. We have a very special Janine's Corner coming up where um, for book readers, I spoil something that happens in Go Tell the Bees That I Am Gone for Janine since he was departing and may or may not be available when we record the episode in which this thing will happen. If you've read the book and you've ever listened to the podcast, you know exactly what thing I'm talking about. So um, look forward to that. Frankly, if you want to join the, the Patreon for one month and pay $1 just to hear that single Janine's Corner, that would be a valuable use of your time and money. <laughs> um, it's a fun one. Uh, and other things. Uh, and uh, yo, you can join the Slack. We love you, Slackers. Thank you for hanging out with us on the Crowdcast today. We want to thank all of our patrons, all of them, each and every one, even the ones who only joined for a dollar for one month to listen to that one episode, but especially the following wonderful people. <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> Kelly Armstrong, Sydney Taylor, BG, Jess Bree, Caswell 156, Maddie Perkins, Nazinek, Lisa Brian, Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Lauren Tennant, Kelsey Kemp, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Jen Collins, Ashley Tegas, and Tina Barnett, Nicole Rodriguez, Kristen Freckle, Fury, Laura Coma, Amelia Bazell, Liz, Ann Tinkerville, Stella Welch, Tori Halligan, Claire Fina, Rochelle LaFever, Jerry Hurdle, hold on, Murder oh. Turtle, Jerry, Jerry Hurdle, <laughs> <laughs> Emily Carlson. Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Kelly Mazzella, Chantel Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Tara Lucino, Viv Pickles, a.k.a. Laura, Mary of the Great Fruit, Jen Polkowski, Ed Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCurry, Jill Detroit, Jen Lynn, Kelly Bodden, Amanda Dan Kiki. The uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us and talking, uh, listen to us ramble about this great season of Outlander. Season, we will be talking yes. about it more next week at the Oasis. Come hang out with us or just listen to it when it publishes. We'll be back. Bye. 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 Bye.